1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about no fluff which players will be toughest to replace what position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize we get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less let's go hey guys welcome back into Bud Elliotts summer school on the cover three podcast and today we are really excited to preview West Virginia and to do that I'm going to bring on my friend Chris Anderson of ear sports and ear sports podcast Chris good to see you again man um thanks for having me on glad to be here absolutely so Went back and listened to last year's episode. There, there was you know, some excitement and some skepticism on the season. A, a decent step forward was expected. And instead, the Mountaineers went five and seven. They were three and one in one score game. So maybe kind of lucky to be five and seven. One of the worst teams in the power of five. What what were the main reasons why it just all fell apart?
3: Well, I think the reason there was some excitement was the previous three years the issue was the offense the defense had been excellent and they had even with turnover figured things out on defense they had had a good pass rush good pass defense everything one of the tops in the country on offense had been the problem but everybody kind of assumed last spring that that was being fixed bringing graham Harrell, as an offensive coordinator you bring in jt daniels a former five-star quarterback you have a stable of running backs you have all your returning receivers, you have most of your returning linemen, one might think the offense would be good. And it just wasn't, it it didn't pan out. Um, Offensive play calling was eh, a, a little questionable. JT Daniels didn't live up to the hype. He started off strong and kind of faded off there for a little bit and that was the end of it. And then once injuries and transfers started piling up on defense, that side of the ball fell apart too. And and yeah, things got ugly. And you're right. I think you could argue they were lucky to be five and seven.
1: So last year, starting with that offense, you know, with the excitement of of Graham Harrell and you had JJ Daniels, like you mentioned 32nd and SP plus, you know, Bill Connolly's power rating there is not, it's not terrible. It's just not probably what I think a lot of us expected. And I think the style uh, of how it turned out was really interesting. I mean, that, the run game was far more efficient than the pass game was, which is not what I think. When I think, you know, air raid, Graham Harrell, and across the board, offensive explosion was a huge issue. Like when they scored, it was almost always they they earned it, you know, and and had had to go on these long sustained drives. It, is Harrell still the play caller here, or, or is Neil Brown
3: taking that back? What what what's going on there as far as, as far as that and the offensive explosion? Yeah. So once the season came to an end. Harold kind of saw the writing on the wall that things weren't working out there. He moved on to Purdue, where he'll be the offensive coordinator there. And Brown promoted Chad Scott, running backs coach, who is, I think, believe had the title head, run game coordinator, um, and was involved. And I'm glad you asked about the play calling, because that's been the subplot of the spring was, are you going to, Neil Brown, um, in what is... You know, you can certainly argue a, a make or break year for him going to hand over the play calling, something you've been known for for most of your coaching career to a first time play caller. You know, put your fate in the hands of somebody else, a, a rookie play caller. And Bill Brown did not answer that question this spring. He kind of avoided it, said that they would evaluate it and then amazingly made things even more, I don't know, complicated or or mysterious by saying after the spring game that he had even let quarterbacks coach Sean Reagan call some plays this spring. So I don't know if he's just trying to throw people off the scent. Ultimately, I believe it'll be Neil Brown taking back the reins, but there has been no clear-cut answer officially in Morgantown. Yeah.
1: That, to
3: me, that intuitively
1: makes sense, right? I, not, not that I want to get into all the hot seat talk, but it, with the new AD, it's hard to see Neil Brown as the long-term guy there if they have another terrible year and like Malzahn used to do whenever he was in trouble at Auburn like alright it's it's, you know, it's an odd numbered year so I'm calling the plays it's an even numbered year so we're going to say somebody else is going to call the plays uh, regardless of, of who calls those plays am I right to assume that Garrett Green is going to be the quarterback?
3: Yeah the, 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 they made it official yet uh, and Neil Brown has said that the competition is going to continue into the fall between Green and uh, Nico Marchio who was a freshman last who stepped in when Green got hurt and and helped finish the year with a win. Um, Everything I've heard and what little we were allowed to see during spring ball, Garrett Green seemed to be quite a bit ahead of Nico Marchio. And in the spring game, again, it was clear that Green was playing better, uh, at least in that environment. So I think that is going to be the ultimate answer, but I don't think you'll get anything from Neil Brown or West Virginia until – Mid August, probably.
1: I'd be really, really curious to see if they use Nico in sort of like a, a wildcat goal line package. Just from remembering him as a high school recruit, guy was a wrestler, and he's kind of thick, and and yeah. that could,
3: like he could be good down down in the low red zone. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was productive. When, I mean, the offense wasn't pretty when he was in, as one would expect with a true freshman kind of being thrown in uh, last minute like that. But he was able to as you alluded to earlier, kind of grind things down, use his feet and, and, and some short passes and stuff, and got the ball down the field. So at the beginning of spring, I thought, does it really matter which one of those guys is going to be quarterback because they both seem fairly even? Uh, I was more interested in what the offense was going to be rather than who was leading it. But I do think Green slightly ahead, but they can't go wrong with Marquio either.
1: So the top three pass catchers are all gone, which – Normally, I would have a lot of concern about, and maybe I still should, but like we said, they, they really failed to hit explosive plays last year uh, at, at a disturbing rate. Should I be worried about these top three pass catchers being gone? How do you see this room shaking out,
3: Chris? I don't, the, the departures, not so much would, would bother me. I mean, again, those guys were solid players, solid players. Like you, you, I think I've said multiple times last year, the issue with West Virginia's receiving core. Was they had several number two receivers and no alpha receiver. This year, we'll see. I think you know they're trying to hit the portal hard. They added Devin Carter from NC State, and he looks every bit as good as Bryce Ford Wheaton was, maybe better, but I think he comes with a lot of the same question marks that you had with Bryce Ford Wheaton. It was like this guy is a physical freak. This guy looks like he should be Calvin Johnson. And instead is, you know season with five hundred yards. And, and you know, again, not terrible, but you're kind of thinking should be better. And West Virginia had it in. They feel good about him. He clearly showed that he could be the guy in this passing offense. But well, who's after that? And I think that's the biggest problem because they have a couple of junior college guys from last year who, who were didn't do much last season and were hit or miss this spring. They tried to add more via the transfer portal. Just lost another one in Jalen Ellis, who was verbally committed and flipped Colorado. Haven't yet, as of this recording, been able to add anybody else, but still want to. Uh, I mean, slot receiver, John Polk from, uh, from the Mac came over, and he's, again, like a nice little change of pace maybe in the slot. You're kind of maybe more excited about him as a return man, but I think they still need at least more piece for me good about the receiver core for sure offensive line you feel relatively okay about yeah all five guys who ended the season starters are back the only changes doug Nestor, who they wanted to do this last year but injuries kind of forced them out of it uh they moved right tackle kind of moved out there and, and got some guys on the right but all five starters in the last season
1: Switching now over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I was pretty shocked at how bad they finished out in the numbers. I mean, this is the side of the ball I was thinking would take a, a decent jump with with all that they had returning on the defensive line. Uh, pass defense, the worst in the Big 12, and and that was kind of concerning to me because I thought the Big 12 offenses last year were uncharacteristically kind of poor uh, compared to the normal you know high-flying attacks, I guess, that we've come to see. I'll start up front, Chris. Three of the four defensive linemen by snap count are are gone off that really experienced defensive front, one to the NFL, one to LSU. How big is the drop off here?
3: I think the defensive line is going to be okay because um, you mentioned Dante Sosa. I mean, it's going to be hard to replace that. He's off to the NFL. Uh, Jordan Jefferson transferred to LSU. He was kind of that plug in the middle of that three man front. Uh, Maybe. One of those spots that just doesn't get the love that maybe it should. They don't accumulate stats, so it's hard to tell just how big of an impact they have. But he was a solid player. I'm not sure he's, you know, starting for LSU next year. Um, but he certainly would have started for West Virginia again. But that's a loss. But I think they've they've somewhat replaced that in in the form of Mike Lockhart, who was a transfer from Georgia Tech and, and played sparingly last season for West Virginia. Um, Devon Hawkins, who was originally began his career at Kentucky and then transferred down to the FCS and became, you know, all conference and was is a disruptive force. So he's bounced back up to FBS. I'm interested to see how he does. He looked the part this spring. And then Sean Martin took over the starting job from Taj Austin, the other the other defensive lineman who left for Colorado. Um, so he had already kind of taken over that spot and Austin was already a backup by seasons in. So I think you're still good there. Um, but the defensive line, not my concern. I, I think the secondary where they, they've added a ton via the transfer portal, just a ton, a ton of players, a ton of snaps, a ton of experience. But you're throwing it all together all at once and hoping it all sticks. And, and that's asking a lot of a lot of different parts. I, I was going to go there next for sure. Uh, with the defensive back room, I,
1: I, mean, I don't get to watch every West Virginia game in, in, in detail like you do but I look at the snap counts from last year. They played a ton of guys in the secondary. It makes me wonder like were they more injured than I think the national college football fan might realize cuz I don't usually see this many guys
3: getting snaps. So it began what 15 snaps into the season opener, Charles Woods, who was preseason all Big 12, uh was one of the highest rated corners in the country for by Pro Football Focus the previous season. Got hurt and he had it was that 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 tough sprain that tua had a few years ago for uh, alabama where he had that special surgery came back a month later um he did that he tried that came back was a little slow so he he shut it down ended up transferring but that really set them back because he it was supposed to be he had one side and that side was taken care of and then you had three or four pieces that you hoped you could find one to fill the other side and instead, those three or four pieces were then having to fill two spots and then other people got hurt. Uh, You know, Davis Ballinger broke his leg and you're moving on and on and on or shoulder, excuse me. And you're moving on and on and on down the list of injuries and freshmen that you're just trying, moving guys around, trying to figure something out. I, I, to their credit, you know, I, I hear all too often and we've heard it in West Virginia when things don't work. Why do you keep going with that guy? Well, the defense did not. They if it didn't work, said, all right, let's try somebody else. All right, let's try somebody else. And. Unfortunately for West Virginia and for those coaches, they just couldn't find the pieces that were working, at least not all at once.
1: Is there any chance this room is better? I, I know they lost some important guys, but I, I, they were just so bad last year. Is there any chance just kind of regression to the, to the mean, like positive regression coming?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you add somebody like Montre Miller, who was a starter at Kent State. You're adding Beanie Bishop, who was a starter at Western Kentucky and was like the third corner at Minnesota. And, and graded out really well. According to PFF, he's coming in. You're adding Anthony Wilson, who was an all conference player at Georgia Southern. Um, and, and you kind of keep going up and down the list here. You're, you're adding guys with experience, more experience than they added last season. And again, you're thinking you add six, you hope three hit. And and if you can do that, then you're going to be all right. And as the coach has said, and it's something that I was saying during the season last year, it's not like these coaches forgot how to coach. Cause they the, of all the coaches on the coaching staff that defensive side again for three years all the turmoil all the transfers all the turnover they still had a great defense at West Virginia up until last season so I think that group as a whole is primed for a little bit of a bounce back this season
1: so this would be a pretty big flip but is there a reasonable chance that the defense is better than the offense this year or
3: do you still see the offense being better than the defense can I say they both end up mediocre is that sure
1: I mean that's still a pretty big pretty big yeah. swing the 32nd and 108 it like if they get to I don't know 40th and 40th that's still improvement
3: yeah I I, I don't want to be the West Virginia guy that's too big of a downer on his team but 40th might be a stretch we'll go 60th and 60th here or 50th oh. and 50th but yeah I think they're both going to be it's both going to be different because it sounds like on defense they're trying new things they're trying they're adding guys and and all spring it was hey who's playing this will linebacker like you don't have somebody there but you have multiple spears and it seems like there's going to be instead of a specific formation like a standard hey this is a three three five, it's just going to be various kind of sub formations and groups that that go in for different things they don't stick to one starting lineup so i'm, I'm interested to see how the defense and this offense which is going to be apparently entirely new with a running quarterback and option and all that stuff. Um, this is maybe the year where we know the least about a West Virginia team in quite some time. Very interesting. So a uh, couple more here and we'll get you out here. Really
1: appreciate Chris Anderson of your Also the year sports podcast you guys, definitely check them out. They do the absolute best West Virginia work anywhere. I mean, just, I got check them out all the time. Sometimes I comment, but I'm, I'm always reading. They're in my, they're in my feed. So, last year they brought in Parker Growhouse to do kickoffs, and this one kind of caught my eye because I was going through my notes from last year. They were terrible at kickoff efficiency in 2021, and they were still like bottom 20 in the country in 2022. I know this is super in the weeds, but it's summer schools. So if you're watching these at home, you're, you're probably a, a total sicko like me. It, is there a reason to think kickoffs could be better? Because like the defense will be better if the opponent's not constantly starting at the 35.
3: Yeah, that was another point of contention because we made the argument, and I think maybe you and I discussed it on here, that, hey, wait, you're using a scholarship on a kickoff guy. And it's, yeah, if it's like your 85th scholarship, I'd rather have a one-year guy that's going to actually do something for this year than roll the dice on you know a guy that maybe does something four years down the road. And <laughs> you know what's funny? They're doing it again. They added Michael Hayes from uh, Georgia State, who is coming in to be, the kickoff guy that gave him a scholarship, transfer scholarship, kickoff guy. Now he is going to compete for the the place kicker job as well. But right now he's got that kickoff spot lined up. And unlike uh, Parker Grouthouse, he does have a history of. I think he was one of the tops in the country last season on getting it into the end zone, just touchbacks. And I think that's what drove West Virginia fans crazy was because Grouthouse could get it into the. Um, into the end zone for a touchback. But it seemed like West Virginia always wanted to try. They tried to get cute with it, I think, was the issue. And uh, let's try to pin it into the corner at the three and make them do something. And they just couldn't do that well enough. And it ended up, you know, kick out of bounds here, or oops, you kicked it to the middle instead of to the left, and now your coverage is messed up, so they're getting a good return. And I think maybe this season, with Hayes's leg, you just say kick it in the end zone and forget it and just go from there.
1: Chris Anderson, EarSports, EarSports.com, EarSports podcasts. Appreciate you coming on. Learned a whole lot about the Mountaineers today. We'll have to have you back on Cover 3
3: for the season. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, guys. Bud Elliott here. Welcome back in for another edition of College Football Summer School on the Cover 3 Podcast. Today, we're going to talk Missouri, and for that, I'm going to bring on Dave Matter, the foremost expert on Missouri from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Dave, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having
1: me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I, where do we go for this? We go to Dave six and six last year in the regular season for for Missouri, uh, by the power ratings that the best team that Eli Drinkwitz has had in his couple seasons there, obviously we'll hear later in the show what, what Missouri fans are are thinking about that. Did you see noticeable improvement from this team, even though the record wasn't necessarily better?
0: Well, on the defensive side, they were much better and they were the most improved defense in the sec. And part of that is because they were so bad in 2021, but That did make them, I think, much more competitive in most of their games. I mean, heck, they gave Georgia a better fight than just about everybody else in the country last year. But the the common theme was it just wasn't enough. They had four games last year that were, four losses, I should say, that were decided by a touchdown or less. So I think they've got some more talent. They've got some more depth um, than they've had, you know, the last few years, but just haven't been able to finish. And there's still some, there were still some weaknesses out there on the field, but I thought the defense at least gave them a chance to be competitive most weeks. They, they had a couple blowouts. They got beat bad at Kansas State. Uh, they were they you know got run off the field at Tennessee. Um, but for the most part, they hung in there against most teams and able to get some nice wins against South Carolina and in Arkansas. But um, <clears throat> it's just been kind of more of the same of just good enough to make a bowl game and qualify, but not really good enough to. Um you know, get a lot of traction and like attract attention like the the good Bar- gary Pinkle years where you're you're now competing in your division. uh you're playing in better bowl games. They just haven't hit that point yet
1: so the offense really a, a massive drop off from where they were in twenty twenty one you you mentioned that needing one more play that was usually to my eyes at least that needing one more offensive play they they could hit a a big pass play occasionally, nothing else really looked consistent, and I gotta think part of that. Just from watching these guys, I thought, okay, quarterback play, not great. I look back at Brady Cook's numbers, they weren't really that terrible. Are, are
0: are my eyes lying to me? No, I think you're onto something there. I mean, I you know, he wasn't great. He he wasn't an all-SEC candidate. Uh, I also don't think he was at the bottom of the SEC in terms of production. You know, he was better. He had a better year than some other guys. He was a the really good running threat. He was the, was the most rushing yards a Missouri quarterback's had since they joined the SEC. So he was a threat there. Um, I'm, I'm not sure you can pin you know, losses on him necessarily. Now, if he plays a little bit better, if he gets better protection, then they've got a chance in some of those games where they lost by a touchdown or less. He was okay. Um, I, I think they can get better play at that position, there's no doubt. Just more efficiency, more production. Um, you know, He was playing when he found out after the season, that he was playing with the injured throwing shoulder that he hurt in week two at Kansas State. Now, it wasn't bad enough to where he couldn't play. And they didn't think he could get it any worse, but he did need surgery in January. So, um, you know, maybe if he's healthy all year long, 100% healthy, he gives them a better shot in some of those closer games. But they had weaknesses elsewhere, too. Their offensive line was was not uh, very good, uh, despite having an all-SEC left tackle. Uh, They didn't have much else. And the running game kind of suffered because of that. It wasn't very explosive. And outside of Dominic Lovett, and then, you know, occasional – burst from Luther Byrd and they didn't have a whole lot of the passing game either.
1: You, you mentioned Cook w- w- with with the surgery, is it right or, or correct to presume he's going to be the starter in the fall that they did go get Garcia uh, from yeah. the transfer portal from University of Miami.
0: You know, there's still going to be a competition. Now, okay. what, what Eli Drinkwitz has said here lately and on some of the speaking engagements he's had around the state, he describes Brady Cook as the incumbent but he has to win the job still. He's not the starter necessarily per se. They brought in Jake Garcia, like you mentioned. They still have Sam Horn, which they really, they really like Sam's upside and ability. They feel like, you know, in the spring, Cook couldn't really compete for the job because he wasn't throwing yet. Garcia was there. Horn was playing some baseball and then had a little setback with his arm. So they didn't get a chance to see all, all three of those guys compete uh, at, at, you know, at, at full strength. I think they want to be able to see that first before they make any kind of decision.
1: You mentioned the loss of Dominic Lovett. I I'm kind of a big believer in when teams go after a lot of players, one position, maybe they don't feel great about that position. I'm also a believer in teams that don't use a trash portal or use it very sparingly. When they go get a guy, that guy's probably really good, which yeah. I think Lovett was good. Also everybody in the slot position for Eli Drinkwitz seems to catch a million balls. So I uh, how big of a loss is that? And I saw they're going to slide Burden back to the slot. So I guess who's the replacement for Lovett on the outside, or, or I guess the replacement for for the guy they had to move to replace uh, Lovett?
0: Right. So, yeah, Lovett was really good in the slot last year. It's it's crazy. He didn't play a lot of snaps. Like, he was, like, not in the top three of receiver snaps for Missouri, but he was by far their leader most productive guy. And So, like you said, I think that speaks to Eli Drinkwitz's offense. and how it's geared toward that slot position, but he was really good and he earns deserves all the credit. We'll see what he does at Georgia. Um, So they're going to move burden into the slot where they feel like he can be more of a mismatch, um, you know, get him in space more often, whether it's zone or man coverage against kind of a lesser defender than he would face on the outside. Then they brought in Theo Weiss from, uh, from Oklahoma, who was, you know, he was a starter at Oklahoma. He was never an all big 12 receiver, but productive. I think he caught over, you know, 60 passes there. it was, injured uh in and out of the lineup uh, he was over a thousand yards for his career there i think they see him as that as an outside guy that can help uh for sure and take the place of burden essentially take the place of you know Toski dove was there last year was an okay receiver uh so they you know i don't know if they've got anybody outside of luther that you can say okay this guy can be an all sec receiver but they, they've got some pieces you know they really like um, you know, some of the younger guys that got a little bit of playing time last year, Makai Miller, uh, they, they brought in Josh Manning, a, a highly touted guy. They have another uh, transfer from Ole Miss, uh, you know, that didn't get a lot of playing time. There was kind of squeezed out of the rotation. So we'll see. But I think Burton's the big piece. If he can live up to fulfill some of the potential, some of the promise and, and have play in a more natural position in the slot, then, you know, then maybe they aren't as concerned about losing to Dominic Lovett.
1: So they, they bring in Marcellus Johnson uh, from Eastern Michigan was one of the more sought-after tackles in the portal, and it's always hard to get even a decent tackle yeah. in the portal. Is this a group that you think, despite the loss of an all-SEC tackle, that, that can take a step forward?
0: Well, we'll see. Now, now Foster did stay. Javon Foster, their left tackle. Oh, he's back. So he's Excuse me, yeah, answer. he's back. And then you add Marcellus Johnson on the right side. Uh, the big addition was – they got uh, Cameron Johnson from Houston. Oh, they last got the Houston season. kid. Oh, nice. And he, the, the, the thing is they need a center. And he's only played guard. He was an all-conference guard at Houston. But the plan is to to give him a shot to win the center job because uh, that is a, a big area of concern. They had Connor Tollison there last year. They really liked Connor and his upside. But he was a redshirt freshman and just didn't have a great year there. So uh, that that group has to be better. Uh, no doubt they gave up the most tackles for loss of any offense in the power five last year They had a ton of penalties. They didn't look very well coached. And the interesting development was Marcus Johnson, their old line coach, he left uh, to go to Purdue, but he left after spring practices. So, um, you know, they are catching up now they hired Houston's offensive line coach and then they, Oh, what do you know? They go get Houston's all conference guard. Um, But, it, you know, it's not ideal timing They 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 bring in a position coach essentially in April. Uh, but, you know, again, I think that room that group has a lot of room for improvement. So maybe making a, a coaching change there can be the difference for sure. Uh, now, with that offense
1: sputtering last year, the defense was the best Missouri defense that we've seen in a couple of years. I, I got to admire the, the run of defensive coordinators that they have had there at Missouri, from Ryan Walters to, to Blake Baker. Top 25, you adjust for opponent, our friend Bill Connolly has them squarely, I think, in the top 20. Only really one bad game, which was Tennessee, and that seems yeah. to happen to a lot of people who play Tennessee. Uh, I guess my other note here is they did play a good number of sketchy offenses slash quarterback situations down the stretch in, in sure. building that in, in, in fairness. Uh, up front, I have some questions here. I mean, losing McGuire and Coleman to the draft slash graduation, right, It is potentially kind of scary?
0: Yeah, that's the the big unknown. Now they have some bodies there. They went out and got some transfers, but these are guys that you know have not you know been tested at this stage in in this conference going against the lines that they'll have to go against. They're they're pretty good up front. I mean, Darius Robinson, I think, is an All SEC tackle. Um, they bring back some other depth guys that can that can have played a lot of football, defensive tackle. But on the edge, um, you know, there's there's just not a lot there that have established themselves. They they like Johnny Walker Jr. He's a he's a junior. Um, he played some last year, not a lot. They brought in Joe Moore, uh, a St. Louis kid from Arizona State, who had okay numbers at Arizona State. He he was a starter there, but you know he wasn't an All Pac-12 guy or anything like that. They've got some other bodies that they've added here recently, so they're going to have to identify some playmakers on the edge. Cause like you mentioned, McGuire was an all sec guy, no doubt fourth round NFL draft pick DJ Coleman really came on strong in the second half of last season. So they've got to figure out that pass rush. I mean, the, the, the good news is they're set everywhere else on that defense. They brought everybody back guys who had a chance to be, you know, mid round draft picks probably with, with, with NIL, they were able to bring some of those guys back and, and um, a whole bunch of them in the secondary linebacker including Robinson there. So that's a good situation uh, outside of, you know, pass rusher on the edge.
1: If you're a surefire seventh-round type draft pick, it, it, it can it can make a lot of sense to come back for, for an extra year, try to improve your draft stock, and then, you know, make, you know, high five, low six figures in, in NIL, but in addition to all, all, you know, the other stuff that you get. I,
0: did,
1: what do you make of Trajan Jeffcoat going to Arkansas? I just thought that was weird. Like, look, like it seems just kind right. of a lateral at best move.
0: Well, you know, his situation was kind of unique. He was going to come back to Missouri. Uh, he lost his starting job last year to Coleman and didn't have a very good year. He he decided to come back and then changed his mind again. Um, and ends up at, at Arkansas. Now he he missed a year at Missouri. He was he was removed from the university. That a, a, a uh-huh. discipline case. And I think that is still essentially on his record. It was, it was never, you know, I've heard a lot of things kind of secondhand on what it was. He was pretty much cleared of it. But it's still on his record, so I think that might have impacted his recruitment a little bit. You know, I think Missouri was wouldn't would have been fine if he came back, but I don't think, you know, it wasn't the end of the world that he didn't because he, he just didn't play all that well last year. He was better two years ago, and his, his play just kind of slipped off. So, um, you know, Arkansas is a place it's, he's probably familiar with to some degree. I mean, Barry Odom, before he left, was his, uh, was his was his head coach when he first got to Missouri, but then Odom goes to UNLV, so at least he was, you know, had some connections down there, and it's, you know, was familiar with the program.
1: That makes sense. You, you mentioned basically the entire back seven returns. Stylistically, is it correct to assume that they're probably going to be able or, or want to blitz more, or, or perhaps have to blitz more this year? And as Blaker discussed that at all?
0: Yeah, they might just because of you know a little bit of the unknowns at, at defensive end, and they they did blitz a lot, you know, at times last year too. It was kind of dependent on the matchup, but Tyrone Hopper is a a really good pass rushing linebacker. Uh, and I think he led the SEC or was top three in tackles for loss last year. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's a guy that probably could have gone to the NFL draft and been a fourth round draft pick or, or third round, something like that maybe, but they've got him back and uh, just a, a, a really good first year transfer from Florida that he had last season. And I think they've got the corners uh, that can hold up in man coverage to, to allow you to, um, send some extra pass rushers from linebacker spot or, or blitz of safety or things like that. And Ennis rake straw and Chris Abrams drain, those are veteran guys that have played a lot of sec football. So it's a really good situation back there. I think, I think collectively some of those guys that, that decided to come back, part of the decision to come back was they want to come back together and kind of build on what they did last year. So, um, you know, there's never a guarantee just because you come back for a senior year doesn't mean you're going to play better than you did your junior year. But when all of them are kind of driven and, and wanting to do the same thing, and you don't really have weaknesses except maybe some of those unknowns at defensive end, you set yourself up to have a, a pretty good defense, I think.
1: We, we asked this question in, in all these summer school episodes. I, I figure, I know where you're going with this, but wh- where's the spot, the drop-off between the starters and the backups, other than quarterback, although it may not be quarterback at Missouri right now, that, where the drop-off is, is huge and just, all right, they, they can't have the starters go down because the backups are just not SEC ready.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, their, their corners, their backup corners haven't played a lot. Uh, Rake Strong, Abrams, Abrams, Jane especially play a lot of snaps, um, and safety. They've got some young safeties they've brought in. I mean, Jaylen Jalen Carlisle and, and, uh, Joseph Charleston played a ton of snaps last year as the two starters. And you've got, um, Jalen Carnell coming in, you know, likely be a starter. And, uh, I think they're okay there. They went out and got a couple power five safeties as, to compete for starting jobs. So I think the depth is fine there. I'd look more on the offense. Um, you know, receiver, got some guys, but they don't really have proven backups. There's still question marks there. And then especially at offensive line, like that is just a spot where, um, you know, even last year, you're like, man, there's some starters that I'm not sure they should be necessarily starting in the SEC. What about the backup? So got some young guys there, but they just haven't uh, been in the program very long. And if you're an injury or two away from having to play a really untested young offensive lineman in the SEC, that can be, that can be tough.
1: Dave, really appreciate the time here on summer school. Everybody make sure to follow Dave matter, Dave underscore matter, Missouri coverage for the St. Louis post dispatch And I, I think the best guy to follow if you want some Missouri coverage out there. Appreciate the time, man.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it.